Hello, my beauties and beauties. Welcome back to another episode of You For You, a podcast for you, about you, to be a better you. This is your host and creator, Kadisha Campbell, also known as at I love your beautiful face on IG. What's up, you guys? I hope you guys are settling into the new season well. A lot of new things are happening. Some of us are back to school, whether it's on campus or online. Some of us have set our end-of-the-year goals for 2020. Amongst other things, the time is yours to utilize. I always like to think of a new season or a new month as time to start over, a new beginning. Maybe try something new, whether it's food, whether it's an exercise, whether it's a hairstyle. Maybe it's a podcast or starting a small business. Speaking of, shout out to Lush by Lex for the small customized you for you tray. It's posted on our Instagram at you for you pod where you can also find her Instagram at Lush by Lex underscore. She has a variety of pre-made materials from ashtrays, keychains, lip glosses, and so much more. All these materials and products are homemade and... This is a Black-owned business, so definitely get on that. Getting into today's topic, we're going to talk about living with anxiety. Please take note that I said living with and not suffering from. From my experience of living with anxiety for about 10 to 11 years now, I noticed that it will start off as suffering because you don't really know what's going on. You don't know how to deal with it. You're really confused. But as the years go on, you kind of learn to live with it. It's definitely different for everyone, but I think it's safe to say that all of us have encountered anxiety at one point or another in our lives. Previously, we talked about not letting things in your journey that you cannot control stress you out. Anxiety was definitely one of those things for me. I realized the more I tried to fight it, the worse it would get. So I decided to come up with ways that would help me de-escalate the situation. As a child, I can definitely say it was something that really freaked me out. Getting that uneasy, unsettling feeling in the pit of my stomach, not knowing what caused it, not knowing how to get rid of it. It took a lot of trial and error to figure out how I could deal with this. The first thing I did was identifying and labeling my triggers. A trigger can be absolutely anything, anything that triggers you into an attack. It can be a sound, a smell, a food, music, a person. Like I said, it's different for absolutely everyone. Everybody has their own unique triggers. A big one for me, and I feel like it's really common, is meeting new people and being amongst a crowd of unknown people. And for whatever reason, it's only in special settings because I'm a person pre-corona who was going to music festivals, concerts, various shows, carnivals, things like that, and I would be fine in those settings. But when it came to school, especially college, when it came to places like the library, the cafeteria, even the gym, I will tell you guys, and I have people that can attest to this, ever since I started college, I have not stepped foot in the cafeteria, the gym, or the library. The thing that's different between high school and college is you don't have to be in these places. You don't have to go to the gym. You don't have to go in the cafeteria. It's there as a choice. Under any circumstances, like any circumstances, I have never stepped foot in any of these places solely because it is a trigger for me. My freshman year of college, I remember I tried to utilize the library as a study place, a quiet place to be, and it didn't work at all. I didn't get any studying done. I didn't get any work done. I was just worried about being in the library. I'm like, oh my God, I have to get out of here. And I'm pretty sure by going into these places, nobody was looking at me like, what is she doing here? How dare she come into the library? How dare she come into the cafeteria to 
to eat. Like, who does she think she is? I know nobody around me cared, but for whatever reason, my mind was not having it. Another one of my really big triggers are memories. For example, sometimes I'll come across a thought or something that reminds me of my older brother. For those of you that know me personally and my family, or if you've been following me on social media for the past five, six years, know that my older brother tragically passed away back in 2015. We were very close and it's something that I do think about from time to time, but sometimes my emotions get the best of me and it becomes harder and harder to suppress. Also goes for the social media memory feature that I talked about before. I did talk about how much I love that feature. I think it's really incredible to have, to have the chance to look back, but doing certain times of year when it's his death anniversary or his birthday or around the holidays, I noticed that my attacks and episodes are way more frequent during those times of year. So when I say avoiding triggers, I mean avoid them if it's possible. Countless times I will find myself in these situations where everything's going good and I stumble upon a trigger. There's no one to blame. It's not anyone's fault. I don't beat myself up for being in the situation. I don't waste time thinking about what I should have done, what I could have done differently, X, Y, and Z. Because the moment that I recognize that trigger, the anxiety is already starting to build. I realized that wasting time picking apart the situation didn't change the fact that I was now entering an episode. So a couple of things that would help me immediately just if I was out in public and just so happened to have an attack was immediately going to a disclosed location. Nine times out of 10, it was the bathroom. I say nine times out of 10 because what are the odds that you're gonna be in a place where there's no bathroom? It is a place of privacy. If there's somebody else in the bathroom, you can always go in a stall, there's tissues in there, you're secluded in your own little cubicle thing. Usually nobody bothers you when you're in there. It's kind of like a very private place within the public. Next step is, which I always, always have to remind myself is to breathe. For whatever reason, my autonomic nervous system just shuts down. I'll forget to breathe. I'll forget to blink. At some point, I feel like my heart stops beating. There's probably a medical reason behind that having to do with your mind being so focused on having an attack, having an episode right now that it kind of forgets that it's supposed to be doing other things too. In my case, I would be so busy overthinking the situation, like thinking about what I'm gonna do, what's gonna happen next. Did somebody notice that I'm acting weird? Am I not being normal? Things like that that my brain would just totally forget about everything else and focus in on the attack. Although basically impossible, overthinking is something that just comes with anxiety. The goal for me always was to mentally put myself in a different place. When you come across a trigger, it's usually something that you can physically see, something that's physically happening in front of you, which then triggers that feeling which throws you into an anxiety attack. So by eliminating the physical aspect, by going into the bathroom, changing what's in front of me, and then mentally just closing my eyes and placing myself somewhere else. Then comes the question, where do you mentally go? This is what I like to call my spot. The definition of my spot is somewhere that you would go, somewhere that brings you peace, somewhere that you can clear your mind, somewhere that you feel most comfortable and safe. Specifically, my spot is my bedroom. Anybody that knows me knows that I spend literally all my time in my bedroom. It's the place where I feel the safest, it's the place where I'm most comfortable, where I feel like I can be myself in the whole nine. For other people, it may be the beach, it may be the gym, it may be with their friends or family. That being said, when you identify what your spot is or where your spot is, you can start to do things to make that spot more personal to you. So customize it to the way that you want it. 
That being said, I spend a lot of time customizing, redecorating, moving around my furniture and all of that in my room. I customized it to be my place of comfort. So I have pictures of my friends and family, other things that I love, memories and tokens from people or from old vacations. Now your spot may be somewhere public. You can't change the orientation of the beach. In that case, I would just be mindful of who I bring to that location with me, the energy I bring with me. What do I do when I go there? I wouldn't want to bring negative energy or a negative vibe to my spot because then when I am having an attack, it wouldn't be a place of comfort anymore for me. I would just continuously remember that bad thing that happened there or the bad vibe, a bad experience I had there. Another way to customize or personalize your spot if it's not your bedroom or somewhere you can customize You can point out things at that place, at that location that are most special to you that you love the most. For example, you may love to go to the beach because you love how peaceful it is, you love the scenery, you love the vibes, but maybe you don't like the sand or the seagulls or when there's a lot of people there. So you would try your best to work around those things by maybe going in the morning or late in the evening, maybe bringing a pair of headphones to block out the noise or a book to distract you from everything else. Kind of the same concept when it comes to the gym. Maybe working out with your friends or your family member or bringing headphones, listening to music, going at different times so you're not around so many people. The point of having your spot and knowing what you personally like about that spot is mentally being able to go there even though you physically can't go there. The feeling that it should give you when you feel like you're on the beach or you feel like you're in the gym or you feel like you're in your bedroom by yourself, you should be able to replicate that no matter where you are. Also just remember in the midst of the episode where it seems like you're in complete chaos, it is just an episode, it will subside. A lot of times I find myself getting lost in the episode because I'm thinking, this is going to last forever. We want it to be over with really quick. We just want it to be finished. We want it to go away. But in all actuality, it just needs its time to ride out. I can imagine that the time limit varies from person to person. I just try my best not to think about the time, not to think about how long this is lasting, when is it going to be over, and things like that. It's kind of like the same thing that they tell you when you're in your school days. Don't watch the clock. You want to do things to distract yourself. So by mentally putting yourself somewhere else, you're changing your location, closing your eyes, things like that. Before you know it, the episode will be over. Now, since I've been living with this for so long, of course, a number of my friends and some of my family members know about it. Sometimes a minor shift in my behavior will alert them of what's happening. If they see that I went to the bathroom and I'm in there a little longer than usual, they'll know what's happening. If I'm a little quiet than usual and kind of seem to be stuck in my head, they will know. So for people who are on the opposite side of this, one of the main things that you want to try to do to help someone who is having an attack, please, please, please do not bring attention to that person. It makes it worse. It makes it 150 times worse. Although your initial instinct of watching someone you know have an attack is to help them, ask them if they're okay, kind of coddle them in the way, the best way to help the episode subside is honestly by distracting the person or taking attention away from the person. This is why a lot of times, even if I am amongst people that I know would want to take care of me, I just leave the room. The things that you initially wanna do, you think that you're helping that person. The one thing that goes through my head when people come forward and they try to help me and coddle me and things like that is all eyes are on me. Everybody knows what's happening. They know I'm having an anxiety attack. Nine times out of 10, I'm usually crying. So that's kind of embarrassing. And it makes it hard for me to focus so I can focus on 
on de-escalating the situation, like I said. That is my main goal. The main goal is to, okay, let's subside this attack. Let's bring it down a couple notches. So for someone who's on the other side, one thing that you can absolutely do is bring attention away from that person. Always try to keep an eye on them, definitely. Take a mental note. Okay, my friend is having an episode right now. What can I do to help that won't bring attention to them or make the episode worse? The last thing that I want to talk about today, if you yourself are suffering from anxiety, one thing that I had to learn over the past decade is I cannot let my anxiety define me. Yes, I do everything in my power to avoid my triggers, to avoid having an episode, but that doesn't mean I'm going to let that stop me from living my life. Like I said, I love going to concerts and festivals and different shows and things. If I let the trigger of large unknown crowds and things like that stop me from doing that, I wouldn't be the person I am today. My social media definitely wouldn't be what it is. I wouldn't be here on this podcast talking to a large unknown crowd of people. It's all about taking it one step at a time. Time, remember we talked about that in the first episode. Allow yourself time to identify your triggers, to find your spot, and to get through an episode. And I will tell you, it's not all fun and games. It's not what you see on social media. It's not a meme. It's not a joke. Just like other mental health issues, it's something that a lot of people deal with and a lot of people need time to overcome. This podcast and this episode specifically is me overcoming one of my triggers. As you guys can see, it took a lot of time for me to even come out with this podcast. It took me a lot of time to specifically publish this episode, but that's all right, honestly. It can be scary and it can definitely be challenging. Move at your own pace. I also just want to inform you guys, if you weren't aware, um, September is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. I just want you guys to know that I'm always free to talk, I'm always free to give advice, and I'm honestly always free to just listen to you. Sometimes people don't want your feedback, they just want you to listen to what they have to say. That being said, check on your friends, check on your family members, check on yourself. Be aware of how you are approaching people, be aware of how you're treating people around you, be aware of the energy that you are giving off. You never know when something you may say or do is a trigger for someone else. And just remember that just because you're having a good day doesn't mean the person next to you is on the same wave. And this is not just during the month of September. This is all the time. Be kind and be mindful. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode and being patient. It's greatly appreciated. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at youforyoupod for updates and announcements. And feel free to DM us with any thoughts, concerns, or suggestions. This is You For You, a podcast for you, about you, to be a better you.